Hello, today on Run With Horses, we have a special treat for you. I went to a conference and met a missionary from Southeast Asia who, for various reasons, we're not going to give a lot of information about, but he has an interesting story to tell, and more than that, I wanted to share with you some of the things that have helped him along the way toward becoming a missionary in a restricted access country. So this is recorded in a loud environment, in an atrium, lots of tables and people clanking around, but I think that it's worthwhile. And think about the things that we normally talk about. There's lots of ways we can consider growing and following Christ. So as we go along, look at how God has worked in this young man's life. Go ahead and tell us who you are, and then we'll get into this section. That sounds good. Well, thank you, Norm. Thanks for having me. My name is Josh. I am a missionary with ABWE. I serve in Asia. Um, I don't know what what else what should you want me to say. Can you tell us where you're from? How did you uh, how did you get to be part of ABW? Yeah, so I'm uh, I was actually born in uh, Ukraine on the border of Russia, adopted by an American family. Came to America at age three, had open heart surgeries. My dad um, became a pastor at a church when I was about eight years old, nine years old. So I grew up in the church. Um, it was kind of a voluntold situation that to be involved. And as I did that, I saw the good, bad, and ugly of church politics. And I thought along the way, if the people I saw who uh, were doing whatever they wanted, they were any representation of who God is, I didn't want anything to do with God. And during the recovery process of my third open heart surgery, the Lord had uh, convicted me and pressed into me and uh, convinced me that he was far more compassionate, gracious, consistent um, than anything I'd ever seen and led me to repentance and faith. My life was never the same. I figured if I struggled with who God was due to the actions of others and some other things that happened in my life, if I struggled with God, others must as well. And I wanted to be used by God to point people to Christ, kind of like a lighthouse worker standing on the shore screaming, the lighthouse is left, go left. And then I found my way to Moody Bible Institute, studied um, biblical studies. Did you go in Chicago? I did, I went in Chicago, yeah. Um, my major was Ministry to Victims of Sexual Exploitation and Biblical Studies, which led me um, overseas where I met an ABWE missionary while working with an anti-trafficking organization. And uh, along the way, this missionary mentored me and um, he built a really good relationship. And he uh, told me, join ABWE, continue the work, and uh, never look back. Awesome. There I am. All right, so one of the things that we do on this show is really encourage people who are making maybe first steps and maybe maybe later steps, maybe not so early, but they've been uh, seeing a need in their life to make steps of faith. And depending on where they are, that might be basic steps or it might be more uh, a more serious commitment. So sometimes we might talk about things like fasting and things like that. But what I'd like to ask you first and foremost, one of my heart's desires is to encourage people to be involved in a disciple-making relationship. And really, you need to be involved on both ends, right? You need to be both being discipled, I think, all the time, but you also need to be reaching out to others. So you've already mentioned you had somebody that invested in you that encouraged you to take steps toward ABWE, but as you look back at your spiritual life, is there somebody that stands out that particularly uh, mentored you, discipled you, coached you, however you want to put it, 
but can you tell us some of the things that they did that were impactful that really encouraged you and helped you along your spiritual journey? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, so it would be that ABW missionary. Uh, he and I began to hang out every day. We did life together. He would uh, ask me deep philosophical questions like, what is the difference between being a good man and good at being a man? And as we would work through these things of morality and our moral decisions and how do we use, utilize the gifts and natural talents God has given each individual for the glory of God, one phrase he would say, uh, we need to have uh, big, hairy, audacious balls for Christ. And so as this missionary and I began to speak daily, uh, we talked, I think it was five years every day. Uh, he was a big part of my life. Um, he, uh, whenever there was lulls in my spiritual life, he would pull me out of it by encouraging me to um, get out of my own head, preach to myself like King David did in Psalm 42, this, why my heart are you so downcast, hope in God. Uh, he really taught me the importance of the ruthlessness of Christianity, uh, what it really looks like to live a godly life. Oftentimes, at least when we're left to our own devices, we will do kind of as the Romans did, this, well, our sin causes God's grace to be multiplied, so therefore we'll continue to do what we want, and God will just be gracious and go from there. But Paul is quite harsh with them and says, no, shall we sin so grace may abound? Uh, by no means, may it never be said. The missionary with AVWE um, really instilled that in my life and, and made it clear that uh, I need to serve the Lord with all that I have, with faithfulness, with integrity and grit, so that one day I can say like Paul at the end of my life, I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race. Uh, is that? Yeah, awesome, that's great. So um, along the way, through people like this missionary and other people who invest in your life, most people I've talked to, and I know in my own life, along the way you learn different spiritual disciplines or things that you do, practical things that you do, uh, it, you know, it is a change at heart, it's a change in mind, but along with that go change in actions. Yeah. So what are the things that you found really helpful in your walk with yeah. Christ? Particularly, let's, let's start with in the beginning, uh, in relation to His Word. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, I think the biggest transformation for me was considering it like a relationship. When I thought about reading God's Word as a checklist, I found it to be monotonous and almost meaningless. I didn't get anything out of it. I almost never remembered what I said and I would feel this emotional euphoric response. Uh, I did something, check. But when I considered my walk with the Lord as a relationship, how can a relationship grow if there's not communication? And the Lord has communicated to us through His Word. And so my time in God's Word has become a time of listening to what God has to say. Um, and when I looked at it that way, it transformed everything. My desire to read His Word changed because when you're, whether in your love or you respect someone, you want to hear what they have to say, you're, you're in, uh, excited to hear their next words. And so I became excited to hear what God had to say and saw that His words had practical application to my life and it began to transform through consistently walking with him. The prayer was similar. Um, you know, if all you do is sit and listen and you're not communicating, it's also a poor relationship. Also, if you're just talking and not listening, it's poor. And so you have to have both. And so prayer is talking with God 
and um, developed an attitude of, of prayer. I found myself, uh, I would be walking down the street, I'd see an ambulance and begin to pray. Um, I would, something would come into my mind and I would begin to talk to God about my emotion or whatever came to mind with that. It became a, God was my best friend. I'm a single guy. I've been in ministry for 12 to 15 years. And uh, in many seasons, I've had to go at it seemingly alone. And my walk with the Lord was what has gotten through it. Being able to talk with Him, vent out things. Again, like King David throughout Psalms, where he's just venting, and then he says, Yet I will praise my Savior and my God. Um, so having that attitude, no matter what you see and no matter what happens, has been probably the most action-oriented, um, significant event in my life. So a mind change in yeah. the way you view God and that relationship with Him. Yeah, but that mind change led to an action change. Right. And I guess that's what James is talking about, right? Like, to show me your faith without deeds. Yeah, it has to work out. Yeah, exactly. If, if there's no action, there's no genuineness. Awesome. So, have you done much practicing spiritual disciplines other than, I mean, prayer and, and Bible study, Bible reading, or spiritual disciplines, but have you practiced other spiritual disciplines? Yeah, fasting is a huge one for me. Um, I find on my rest days, I like to fast. Um, in a good season, obviously, we go up and down with our relationships with the Lord, but... In an ideal world, I fast once a week, um, and then I like to do a long fast every couple months, from six months to a year, where I'll fast for like a week. Um, and this is my time to just tune in. Uh, one pastor uh, thought of it like, you know the old drive-in movie theaters? Um, if prayer is like tuning into God, fasting is tuning into that station. Uh, it's like the, um, the poles at a drive-in movie theater that's like an antenna that gets you into that right station. If you drive away too far, um, you can't really tune in. And so uh, fasting, doing that regularly, keeps you tuned in uh, with God. Uh, accountability is another discipline that I find um, quite helpful. I speak with my sending church weekly, awesome. uh, keep each other accountable. I have other men that have my coveted eyes account and these other things that make me accountable. Um, I like to be as open and transparent as possible. I often will sit and just hand my phone over, you know, here, please look. And um, some people will take me up on it, some people don't. But knowing that I, people will and people knowing that I have that open is helpful. It's been a discipline that has kept things at bay for many seasons in life. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, I know, for me, uh, fasting has been something that. Um, I try to put it every week, and one of the things I've attested to is not just my, my prayer life, but particularly my disciple-making life. Mm. So I have, say right now, I have four or five men that I'm really investing in, mm. and I try to see them at least um, on a consistent basis every two or three weeks. And one of the things I do is every week I have a day where I, I fast, and I try to contact them in the morning on the day that I fast and say, I'm praying for you today specifically. And I I have some ongoing things for each one of them where I, I know, and they know that I know the regular things, but is there something in addition to that, something I don't know about from the last week? And I'll, I put that discipline where it's attached to them. They know that I'm fasting and praying for them. Uh, and that's been hugely encouraging to me. Yeah. As I said, today, you know, I'm, I'm skipping a meal, but I'm thinking about these guys. Yeah. And they have, they have families, they have 
ministry, they have things that they're doing, and that's been hugely encouraging to me. It's a very, very specific. It's attached to these guys, so it's not just like I need to do it for me. It's good for me, but I, I really do. It's a commitment to them. Yeah. So I, I've really enjoyed that. Um, so thanks for sharing. Yeah, I think fasting is something that's underused. Yeah. So a lot of the disciplines, I, I describe them as tools in a toolbox. Yeah. And you want to pull out the right tool. You do. Or yeah. the problem you have, and you could drive a nail with a, a wrench, but a hammer works way better. Well, hammer works way better. <laughs> so very true. A lot of the spiritual disciplines are, are like that. You know, they're yeah. very useful when you need them. Yeah, I think another discipline as well I find overlooked or undervalued is just the fellowship with believers. Yep. Um, Hebrews tells us not to forsake the fellowship with believers. It's a command, and to to be in constant communication, uh, openness, accountability, those kind of things. Um, oftentimes, your relationships with fellow believers aren't for your benefit, but for theirs as well. And so, to have um, a selfless attitude, you know, how can God use me today with so and so? Um, it's crucial, and if you're not there, you can't be used. Right. Half the battle is just showing up. Right. Um, yeah, that's one of the things a lot of people struggle with. They they think about the group and they feel, well, I don't feel like it. You know, like, yeah. I'm not sure I'm going to get anything out of this. Yeah. Like, well, it's it's not really about you. Yeah, and it's really about Jesus. Yeah, and so from your your perspective, it should be. I'm going first and foremost yeah. to to point the way to Jesus, to right. point the light on Him. And yeah. one way that I do that is go to serve his family. Yeah. And without those two things in place, I mean, if you think about yourself first, yeah, yeah you're, you're just in the wrong place to yeah. go and give anything or to get anything out of it. I mean, you get a lot out of it when you go to worship and you go to the glorified God and you get to go with the church family. I've never gone to a, a gathering of the family, whether it's a local church or a conference like this one where missionaries are gathered and went saying, I'm here to serve and encourage others and came away empty. I, this never happened. It doesn't happen. It can't happen. Yeah. I mean, the church feels you. If you pour out every second of that time to yeah. others, you're going to go away full. True. I, I wish people understood yeah. that. Yeah, and I have to confess, I was not in a good mood coming into the conference. I was thinking, this is a waste of time. Why am I here? And it's been tremendous. I uh, spent some time with the Lord before the conference started, just asking God to call my heart, to allow me to learn and grow and get what I needed to get. Um, and just be in the room with Christ and his believers, uh, it's been phenomenal. Uh, you, you can't, like you said, you can't be at a place like this and not be encouraged. If you are, you're not, you're not paying attention. Right. Not. Or you're paying attention to the wrong thing. But yeah. Like sometimes yeah. it's like, how are my desires? What do we have? That's really exactly. how we're here. Yeah. Thinking so. about dinner. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Starting to think about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, can you, or how much can you share, Law? How did you get from, uh, say, a young man who's saved, focused on Christ, to full-time ministry? What was the, the transition, yeah. whether it's in your thinking or someone that invests in your life? How did you make that transition? Think about your life yeah. as just a, a secular life, career, go to church, and be a normal church member, to I'm going to surrender my life to the mission field. Yeah. Well, as a kid, I was exceedingly arrogant and so with my dad at the church my dad and I have similar temperaments even though I'm adopted the Lord was gracious in giving us a lot of similarities and so people said well you're like your dad you should be in ministry and I would laugh at them and in some occasions spit I was very against it and when the Lord brought me to uh, repentance and faith he put a desire to serve like I mentioned earlier 
um, to to be a a light in people's lives, pushing them or pointing to Christ. Um, But after that, um, there were some dark moments in my life. I'd been abused in about every category you could imagine. Uh, By the time I was 16, uh, there was a, a gentleman in our church after I got saved, he had started sexually abusing me. Um, and then uh, my senior year in high school, I was doing a project on anti-trafficking and was, I like to use the word compelled over called. I was compelled uh, to do ministry and to focus on this trafficking thing, uh, which had led me to Moody. Um, but as as I continued to serve, and there was this passion for unwanted and disregarded peoples of the world. In missions, as you know, there are two buzzwords that people use. Most commonly, people will say, I'm going to go work with the unreached. Everyone likes to say unreached. And what this typically means for those who, who might not know is, uh, this is a people group who are in a country where the gospel is not available, whether there's laws, like a translation, or just like of churches, uh, they are unreached. And then there's unwanted and disregarded. Uh, this was the ministry God had put on my heart, but this is the ministry that I witnessed, that ABW missionary, who really focused on this. This is, pertains to people who don't live in a country where the gospel is illegal, but for whatever reason, they are disregarded by uh, or unwanted by locals, pastors, missionaries, or they're just overlooked. People don't know about them, whatever. And um, there was a group in this country that were just like that. And it broke my heart, was able to get involved. And uh, by God's grace, there was fruit in that work. And I'm all about following the open doors. Um, you know, Paul will say, I tried to go here and that door closed. I tried to go here and that door closed. I don't like the liver quiver you know, sensationist approach to missions. Uh, if the door is open, I'm gonna walk through it. And, and there were some open doors, and so I, I ran through them. And the Lord continued to open doors as I continued to serve and um, be faithful. Awesome. So can you tell um, maybe a little bit about what that looks like? I mean, I could give the details, but in the country you serve, what does it look like to say meet somebody you don't know that that's in this group yeah. and and how do you develop a relationship with them what does yeah. that look like well i was just there a few months back and i met a gentleman on the soccer field um a group of pastors local pastors will play soccer and um do a little bible study afterwards and there was a a guy in the community who showed up a bunch of tattoos he was playing with the pastor's kids and as the game finished um I began to have a conversation with him. He spoke great English. Um, and I began to ask him, what do you believe about Jesus? Um, who is Jesus to you? Not, what do you think I want to hear? Not, well, what have people told you? But what do you believe? And as he began to describe his um, perspective of who Christ is, some of it was good, and some of it was sadly mistaken. You could tell someone had shared the gospel with him at some point. Um, and so I asked him, uh, we're going to call him Bob. I said, Bob, what if someone comes to me and asks me about you? And I said, um, I gave them good details and I gave them bad details. Some of it was right, some of it was wrong, probably most was wrong. And it led these people to a completely wrong conclusion. How would you feel? And Bob's eyes got really big and just thought, you know, Bob had a history of gang violence and, and gang interactions. And so there's an honor-shame element. And so I knew that 
something like that would be an offense to him. And so I said, you would be offended, right? He's like, yeah, I would be offended. And he's like, actually, I would be really angry. And uh, that would be um, cause for a fight. And I was like, right, okay. But wouldn't it be better if that person just came to you directly and asked you who you are? I said, absolutely. I said, well, thankfully, Jesus does that. He tells us exactly who he is in his word. And you don't have to rely on words of men, but you can go straight to him and see what, what he says directly in his word. And his eyes got so big, and he's like, I never thought about it that way. That's amazing. And so uh, he asked me when I get back, he wants to continue to meet and talk about Jesus. I found many people in this country just sitting and listening and asking questions and giving space for answering, kind of like a podcast environment, right? Where you just sit and let the people talk. But the right questions, which I think is a skill to learn how to ask questions, um, opens doors that you would ever imagine. And you're able to share go the gospel with people who would be previously closed if you just walk up and say, let me tell you about your Lord and Savior. Right. It seems to me like most of the time, a really good relationship begins by just listening. Yeah. And it, all it is is saying, yeah, I, I don't know you. Yeah. But you, you seem interested. I'd like yeah. to get to know you. So yeah. tell me who you are. Absolutely. And some of that is, it, it is intentional questions, kind of guided questions. There's some certain things that I think are more important about you than others. Yeah. So... Yes, all of your hobbies and everything is interesting, yeah. and that's part of the discussion. Yeah. But our spiritual life really says a lot about who we are. So the few guided questions really open that door. And when it's in that context of, hey, I, I really care about who that's you cool. are. I, yeah. I want to know you, and I'm going to listen carefully. And yeah. then to ask questions based on what they say, you're showing that you listen, you're showing that you care. And one of the things that often does, when I do that in Japan, yeah. people do listen. Yeah. And you've shown that you care, you're really listening. Almost always, it comes back, and they want to know a little about me too. Yeah. And I've often said with the the Japanese who struggle to share the gospel, mm. if you show that you care about people, even if you're not really intending to share the gospel, you just listen carefully and show that you love them and care for them. Quite often, they'll ask you a question that you would have to be hiding it mm. to not share Christ. Yeah. Because they're going to ask you a question that's going to have to do with your relationship with Christ. This is the center of your life. There's no way you can hide it. Yeah. So it's not hard. I, I'm always astounded by people who are maybe afraid or just say, I, it's on how you show the gospel. It's like, how do you not if you're meeting new people? I can understand yeah. if you're not meeting new people. If you never meet anybody new, you're in a bubble, I can understand it. People yeah. know you and you know them. And Okay, maybe you're in this, this bubble has heard the gospel. I, I understand yeah. that. But, how do you go through life and not many people? Yeah. I don't understand that. Yeah, there's a saying, the guys that I mentor, they hear me say it a hundred times, about a thousand. People don't care what you know until they know that you care. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly your point. All right. Show people that you care. They will ask you every question about what you believe and why you believe it. It's and amazing. if you do that with that, that heart of love and you show, I really, I really do care who you are and what you believe and I'm not going to overrun and downplay what you believe, then I've never had anybody be offended yeah. by me sharing my story. Yeah. And my story and God's story are tied together. So mm. it's, to me, it's never complicated and it's not something to be afraid of. Yeah. You know, I'm sharing something, this has been life changing for me. And if I care about you, why would I hide that? That's an amazing point. I, um, uh, I'm reminded of a guy I met uh, in Asia he was an American. Uh, his wife had died when he was in his 70s. They were married 50 years. 
Uh, and he was looking around the house uh, in the part of America he grew up in, uh, saying, if I stay here, I'm just going to be miserable. I'm going to mourn her death and remember everything. And because, you know, the smells and the sights, they uh, remind us of things. And so he decided to uproot everything and move to Asia. And so we ran into each other at a gym there. And he was sharing the story. And as I listened, he began to ask, what do you believe? And I was able to share God's word with him. And days later, he came to me. He's like, oh, what does the Bible say about this? Um, it's amazing, the opportunities just by... And he was radically opposed to God's word. He was uh, he personally holds to wisdom literature. So anything that will glean wisdom, he'll hold on to. But um, he's opposed to the whole repentance and faith aspect of Christianity. But he's very much interested in having conversations with myself and a few others there that just allow him to, to breathe and explain his beliefs, and then he'll ask our beliefs. It's a tremendous, tremendous way. Well, we're getting near the end of the show today, so I want to ask you, if you think about someone who is, they're faithfully going to church, they are part of their local body, and they are pursuing a relationship with God, they're, they're learning and growing, and they're wondering what, what's next, what's more. How would you, or what would you say to that person to encourage them toward making some of those next steps? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, there are just the basics of the Christian life, right? Like tithing, um, discipling, and so on. Um, I would say if you're reading God's Word daily, if you're praying, you're attending church, but you're not mentoring anyone, or you're not being mentored, maybe approach a man or a woman if uh, you're a woman who's older than you um, and ask them to mentor you. One of the things that I learned over the last few years, try to find somebody who's opposite to you but loves Jesus, whose strengths are your weaknesses and have them mentor you. Uh, I've found that the growth that happens in that is exponential. I've been mentored by guys who were very much like me, the ABW missionary is one of them. and. God used that as a foundation, but the pastor who began to mentor me uh, after that, that missionary um, had unfortunately passed away. The, um, the, the next man the Lord used was the exact opposite of me. Um, and I found that I became more well-rounded. Uh, and so I've, I've tried to implement that as well into my own discipleships. Uh, when I try to mentor guys, I look for guys whose strengths uh, are my weaknesses and weaknesses are my strengths and I try to you know help them and, and, and work with them through some of those things so that, I think that's a good place to start if you're not being mentored be mentored um, if you're not tithing you definitely should be we're, we're commanded to give generously um, give to your local church uh, the local church uh, is crucial uh, do not forsake the local church and from there um, Ask those, your pastor and those who uh, know you well, what are some holes and start to work on those. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed our discussion with Josh. If you have any questions or comments, send us an email at norman at runwithhorses.net. And whatever you do, keep on keeping on. Keep running, keep reading, keep praying, and keep on investing in the body of Christ around you.